Hello everyone and welcome back to the Shuttlepod. This is episode 114, not counting what, Kayla? Not counting supplemental episodes or some of our review episodes. Right. Although this is a review episode. We're just, we just, we kind of stopped doing that side numbering thing. Yeah, no. we kind of gave up once we kind of stopped doing reviews. Um, but we are loving this new season of Picard. We're here to review the third and fourth episodes. We are enjoying this season far more than I think even we expected to. And we were expecting this to be a good year, but we did season, but we did not expect it to be quite as good as it is. Yeah, we thought we might do a mid-season check-in, but here it is every other episode. We feel the need to talk about it. So yep. that's awesome. Yep. Says a lot. And I think that's a good cadence. Like when we first, you know, when the new era of Trek came back on television, um, we started doing like weekly recaps. And it's just, there's so much. To pe- it's like you end up talking for longer than the episode aired for. So yep. it just kind of makes sense <laughs> to do two at once. Especially since they're, they're like a, like a flowing story and they're not episodic. Right. 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 So yeah, for sure. So we want to talk about the episode itself, and later on, Kayla would like to talk about some of the things that she's unlocked from Maybe. watching. Maybe. I've got some, I have some thoughts, and I'm very excited. I, I have a legit fan theory that I think is correct, so I'm excited yes. to share it with you guys. So we'll chat about that later. But first, let's get into you know the meat of the review, but I did want to talk a little bit about one person in specifically and that's jonathan frakes who obviously as we all know is starring one of the stars of this season of picard and is directing two episodes yeah he's Um, an mvp (laughs) yes he's directed episodes three and four he has done an an incredible job with both episodes while acting and having a fairly Mm -hmm. meaty role Mm -hmm. um and i just Sometimes I don't think he gets enough credit for being the rock star that he is. Um, you know, he went from being a, an actor. He was not the lead on the show. So he decided to take advantage and p- pursue perhaps a parallel career for him. And he learned, he got permission from Rick Berman. I think a lot of people might know this. So I'm just going to speak about it quickly. Yeah, no, go He got it. a lot of permission. He got permission from Rick Berman to start attending you know, script meetings and going to the edit room and uh, I think effects meetings, like everything. He, I think he had to spend, I think the deal was he had to spend a hundred hours in each department before he could possibly get himself a director's gig. So he paid his due. He did his, you know, he went all the way through what I think they call He called it Paramount university. <laughs> yeah. Or the, or the director and training program is what I've also heard it called. Right. But it was kind of something Rick Berman, I think made up to be honest. He did, oh, he hundred percent. You, you know, yeah. He goes, all right, if you want to direct, it's got to be more than a vanity thing. You're going to have to actually know what you're doing. So anyway, yep. goes through the whole thing. He's assigned the offspring as his first gig. And that went incredibly well. And it springboarded his entire directing career. Yeah. I mean, he got a great episode to start with, too. Right? He did. He had Brent Spiner. So he, you know, as the centerpiece, so you can't really go wrong with that. Um, and then, you know. I think the most interesting thing about him is obviously he directed first contact. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I have to say from at the time in my life, when that, when first contact came out, I was just I graduated from college and I had a lot of friends who were either in fil- still in film school or were coming just graduating like me, like 
bunch of young people who were paying a lot, watching a lot of movies and paying attention to a lot of things. And even people who were not really that into studio movies like Star Trek were very, very surprised at how well Frakes directed First Contact. I mean, especially the first 10 minutes of that movie. It's it's just <laughs> the, way, the way it the shot when it opens coming out of Picard's eye and it goes mm-hmm. blind. There's a lot of like really cool stuff going on. And I think a lot of people thought his career as a feature director was going to really take off from there. And I, obviously he's directed Insurrection after that. And Insurrection didn't do great, but I really don't think that has anything to do with Frakes. Yeah. yeah. It has a lot to do with... Uh, studio and Rick Berman and Michael Piller was yep. anything. Um, and then he directed a children's movie called Clock Stoppers mm-hmm. right after that, which did okay. I think you know it was. I think it was a Nickelodeon type of thing. Yeah, it was. And, yeah. It was a Nick movie. Yeah, so it they, made it made some money. You know, I think. Yeah, I and think then it he, made what it was expected to make as kind right, of a kids movie. Right, you know? and then he then he made an adaptation of the Thunderbirds, the six the classic sixties series, mm-hmm. and. For a lot of reasons, many of which were not had any had anything to do with him, it was a huge bomb. I think it lost at least thirty or forty million dollars. It, it was a total mess. Yeah, it was awful. And by his own admission, he got put in what they called director jail, which huh. means, he, and he hasn't directed a feature yeah. since. No one will hire him for features. Nobody will hire him yeah. for features. Um, so he became a TV director. He's directed a lot of different shows. I'm not going to enumerate all of them. Well, and he credits Dean Devlin, of course, for really saving him from director jail at all in any form. Because right. He was, was directing the librarians. The librarians right. Yeah. Right. He did that for quite a few years, I believe. Yeah. He directed those shows. Yeah. And then obviously he's been directing all the Star Trek, new Star yeah. Trek series. Since Discovery. Since Discovery. Season, season one. Season yeah. one. And the guy has just grown as a director as he's gone. Yeah, I mean the guy. He he was he's done things in these last two episodes that he was not capable of twenty five years ago. Uh, just really, he's he's for someone who's I think about seventy years old now, Jonathan Frakes. He is still improving his craft, both as a director and very much so as an actor. He is. Mm-hmm. We're seeing probably the best stuff we've ever seen from him as an yeah, actor. I agree. And I just wanted to give him a shout out because you know a lot of Star Trek next generation and his surrounds patrick stewart and it probably wasn't easy for him to spend seven years sitting next to someone with those kind of chops you know and he has finally been you know given a moment to shine and i just wanted to give him a shout out for it because these two episodes both in front of him behind the camera he just crushes it and he's been behind the camera for in previous seasons. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So. so anyway, I just wanted to give him a shout out. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So shall we discuss these episodes? So what did we think? What are our overall reactions to episodes three and four? Um, you know, sort of juxtaposed against episodes one and two. These are definitely a solid like pair, I would say, yeah. comparatively too. This is where the real kind of meat, you know, of the season starts to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really picking up um, 
I think episodes three and four were really strong. I really enjoyed them. I feel like each episode has gotten better than the previous one yes. for being mm-hmm. best so far. I agree. Agreed. Agreed. And this, it's sort of a crucial moment for us in the season. You know, we're not quite halfway. And this is the point where sometimes a show can go south quickly or not. Um, and so, you know, if they can keep the actual momentum of the story going and not sort of fall off of that initial high from the setup of the story and mm-hmm. actually carry out like a thread through, you know, and we're moving into act two, right, of the season, which is always to the right. sort of duller act of the of anything. So it's it's kind of a critical moment for our heroes behind the scenes um, to uh, say, sort of forecast what the what the whole season's going to look like. I think it it's hard to believe that this is the only the end of Act One, though. It is. It's been quite the rocket ride <laughs> so far. <laughs> There's a I mean, lot. There's a lot happening. Yeah, episode four alone, like, like just has so much. When I when I finished watching it and just had to stop and like try to take in everything I had just seen, which was, I mean, they cover a lot of ground in these episodes. It's wild how how much they can pack in and not make it feel like they're rushing through anything really. Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot, I'll say. It's what I feel like it's at the limit. I don't want to add any more complex intertwining storylines. Yeah, I agree. I think they've yeah. got enough plot now. And really, yeah. they, that's that's all they need. They have this sort of two tracks, right? They have the Rafi Orf track, and they have the Titan stuff. And that's all, that's plenty, because yeah. there's a lot going okay, on. Well, within the Titan stuff, there's a lot. Oh, right. that's well, true, too. So Yeah, that's true, too. Because, right. because I mean, well, so what do we have within the Titan? We have, of course, like Picard, Picard and, and Riker, son. Picard and his son, Picard and Riker, yeah, Picard and Beverly, Picard and Beverly. So there's three. Uh, <laughs> just what's up, Shaw's butt? Because he's cool, but he's obviously got something bothering him, right? He's right. about about people. Um, kind of what's the, the deal with Shaw? And then, the mystery um, of Picard's son, like, right, is he some like there's a there's a there's something right? There's a twist. There's a oh yeah, because I mean thing. they he's, want him for a he's reason. some genetic yeah. thing. There's got to be we talk, Brian and I were talking about like the DNA and the yep and credit. Like to me, it's become so obvious. Like that's yeah. we're just waiting for that shoe to drop. Yep. And then in you know, the visions he's having, the one he has right before at the end of episode, that's right, four, which has that, which has that first contact homage, like very blatant, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, with the with the water in the face, and then, mm-hmm. oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So there's a lot going on with Jack Crusher that we do not know about yet. Nope. But there's some nice character beats with him and Picard in both episodes. Um, we learned that he actually did, in his own way, try to reach out to Picard. Yeah, I don't know. I thought uh, it was it's lame. It's more like lurk to see what Picard has to say as a person. Like I, said, I mean? like I said, in his own way, he did. And like yeah. not even give him a chance. Like he's in front of this group of people. He totally caught him. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then the he was fly. like, oh, Starfleet's the only family need. And he's like, all right, well, fuck you too, Dad. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. All right. 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 Like that was so unfair. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, you can kind of see why he did it. It's a kind of moody teen vibe. but It totally yeah. is. It totally yeah. is. But that's yeah. probably what he was at the time. It was yeah. It was a little too emo. Yeah. I thought. Um, Whatever. Speaking of that, though, we might want to backtrack 
and talk about the scene in the third episode between Jean-Luc and Beverly. Yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves. No, that's true. Yeah. We are ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Oh, that scene, you mean, the one in sick bay is the one in sick bay. The one is that is chef's kiss. If you ask me, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's this, really it, it, that is the directing the peak of my favorite bit of directing. I think. Yeah, yes. and the fact that, that he scene. keeps them so distant, mm-hmm. and they eventually and they slowly and they move a little bit closer, yeah. but they keep a bed in between them. Yeah, yeah. And then they move even closer. Yes, yeah, I don't know. That it's was so, a nice touch. Even though it's like a little obvious, it worked. It felt it like it was like yes, this is like. This fits in place yeah. here. Yes. Well, yes. And what's interesting is like just to get all you know meta-ish about it. This kind of dynamic, people have pointed out, has actually played out in a sick babe with Picard and Crusher standing further apart and slowly getting together. Like in TNG, they've had this. They've almost you know. So there's a parallel. They've paralleled themselves. Like this is their dynamic. They've had this kind of dynamic before. And it's just, so it's just really nice. It's like, okay, so this, that's why this feels familiar is like, this is their dynamic. They have had a, com- a tough conversation where they're further apart in a sick bay. <laughs> you know, it's just like with similar mannerisms because they're the same people, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. we've seen their mannerisms before. And it's just, it's just really nice because it's like, all right, well, that's how this should be, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're the same people. So they're going to have com- tough conversations in a similar manner that we've seen before. And they do. It's really nice. Like it's just subtle, but in a way, but nice. And you know, pulling up a magical mystery never knew about him son is a thing, and that could be annoying. But I have to say, like in that scene, like they make it as a thing more acceptable that they've they've done that little trick. Um, because like you can understand the point of view of each of those characters in that scene of Picard and of Beverly. Yeah, I was, they're, they're both right and they're both wrong. They're both right and they're both wrong. Yeah. If I had to choose a side, I would choose Picard's because yeah, I didn't, I couldn't quite buy what Beverly was selling. To be honest with you, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, he was like that whole thing of like, you condemned me, you know, like you made this decision without. Yeah, you took me out of the most important decision of my life. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And, that's yeah. true, you know? It's like, oh, absolutely, okay. it's true. That yeah. was absolutely the wrong thing to do. The, the only thing that made me start to think, <clears throat> okay, I'm starting to understand where she may have been at, was when she started saying about how many people she had lost, like, to the stars. You know, she had lost um, her husband, I think her parents, and then Wesley. When she mentioned Wesley, I was like, that's true, right? Like, Oh yeah, because he's somewhere he's, entirely he's else. Essentially dead. It's like it's like if her son yeah. had died. Yeah, because he's on a totally different plane of existence right now. He is. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then seeing that she could lose Picard that way too, and or in sort of her mind, kind of already had in a way. Well, yeah. And then worrying she talk, about she, losing She gives the list son. of near death experiences and like you know assassinations and stuff, and it's like, oh, yeah, okay. Like she was wrong, but that I understand. Yeah. One of the things I like about this season is that these characters have been taken off their pedestals in many ways. They're being stripped down and they're being examined in a way they never were during the original show. Yes. And that's been very refreshing to watch because it's not being done in a mean-spirited deconstructionist way. It's just being... One of the things I've noticed about a lot of modern TV is that there tends to be a very binary mentality to it good guys and bad guys like there's 
I think that's a reflection probably the social media and everything else too. Sure. Um, and I feel like, like even like Shaw is a good example. Shaw is going through an arc. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think people tend to forget that you, know, you don't always have to be one thing all the time. You can be, people contain multitudes. Yes. Yeah. I think sometimes people forget that. Um, so I think he's always probably been a little rough around the edge, Shaw. Mm-hmm. But he's probably not the complete asshole that we thought he was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's just nice to see these characters having more of an arc than they had during TNG. The, the characters, without Data so much, but a lot of the other characters tended to be kind of static. Or if they or if they did progresses over time, it was kind of small progressions. It wasn't. Yeah. Big stuff. Like data is data is a bit obviously, like I said, is it is the exception, and yeah. maybe Worf to a, a certain extent, but the rest of Worf the characters, on Deep Space Nine, he did. Yeah, the rest <laughs> of the star characters on TNG were kind of static. I thought. Yeah. You know, one thing about Worf that will never change, he'll always be a deadbeat dad. Yeah. <laughs> right. By the way, his introduction in three is fantastic. When he, I when he introduces himself. Yeah. I am so pleased with Worf in this show because like it's one it's hard to come back like you look at Patrick Stewart and it's the same person like you said his mannerisms and things like that but you know it's like it's there's a big gap between who Picard was when we last saw him and who he is now and with you know so it's like you have to remind yourself a lot's happened between then and now and it's like Worf it's like Michael Dorn just fell right back into it right back into it like that and the writing too I was like that Oh, yeah. Is Worf. That's Worf. There, there he is. Like, I like, this is the Worf we remember from Deep Space Nine, where we lot like not Nemesis Worf, because fuck that, right? No one cares about that. But this <laughs> nemesis? is this is what's the, Nemesis? I know what's Nemesis. This is the you know fully fleshed out three dimensional Worf that we knew from Deep Space Nine, and mm. here he is again, just a little older. It was there he yeah, is. It was amazing. Like yeah. Beverly's a different person. Like she's been through a lot. Yeah. Since Beverly is definitely her. different. Yeah. Yeah. Really she has seen a anymore. lot, and we don't know. Yeah what but she's seen a lot whatever it is yeah um Worf, though i do love the way he introduces himself he includes his parents his his yeah. human parents that's so nice he's not come his to... son no <laughs> just pointing it out where is alexander well because yeah. yeah yeah no one cares <laughs> and, then, and, and, and then he offers rafi chamomile tea yeah yeah i love it good tea Nice, nice house. house. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, Dorn obviously did <clears throat> one of the conditions, I think, probably for him to come back was that he did not want to have all that makeup on his face. So you see a lot more of Michael Dorn now. Yes. It's actually really did. nice. You also, I think, hear more of Michael Dorn than you did before. You do. It's amazing. And what really blew my mind was he's wearing Klingon chompers um, and then they're both upper and lowers. And he didn't always wear lowers. I think because again, it sucked right for him. Right. He didn't always wear lowers in the, in TNG. He actually has uppers and lowers. And yet I feel like, like you said, we really hear him better. Like you hear Dorn better though, because I feel like there's more Dorn now in that voice than there is Worf. He uses yes. the deep, because his Worf voice is much deeper than his 
real voice. Sure. Yeah. And so, and I, I noticed when you watch, when I was watching the episode, it would kind of come and go. Like yeah, he, that's yeah. true. When he would go on for a little bit longer, it would get a little bit lighter, maybe. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. and this Worf was more mellow. You know, yeah, he is. He's, he's different. Yeah. He's aged. He is. Um, he's still Worf. Yeah. So he and Rafi are uncovering that whole changeling thing. Yeah. When they catch. The headings are on Wednesdays, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Just, just FYI. Yeah, that's right. Cute. <laughs> That was good. Yeah, like you said, the writing for Worf is letter perfect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they catch this guy who uh, doesn't look too well. No. <laughs> and I totally believe, you know, Ravi was, I thought she was on the right track, of course. Where she's of like, course. Hey, that dude is totally like coming off of something. Let right. me fooled too. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then Worf was like, no, no, no. I know what this is. And I was like, oh, shit. I know. I know what that is too yep. then. Like, I know it. That's amazing. So, so one of the first hints in that storyline that the changelings God. are going to be a oh, much bigger thing. I was so happy to see that. And I love that, of course, like it's very fitting that of all our, our characters that, you know, the character who actually was on Deep Space Nine in the middle of all of this gets right. to be the first person to yeah. officially, at least officially, you know, see and pronounce it a changeling. Yep. yep. Talks about the Great Link, makes references yes. to Odo. Nice little reference to Odo. Yep. Yep. I have to say, I'm so glad that, you know, so they have these stories going in parallel, but discovering the changelings on both of our, I wouldn't, I mean, I guess they are A stories and B stories, but with the Worf story and the Titan story, our characters are discovering the changeling thing kind of around the same time. Right. Um, And I love that when Jack wakes up or whatever and they think he's on a med bay and they're like you know what happened and he said his face moved like a changelings would and i was like thank you i didn't want to have to sit here being like no one knows what it is well and then it's also that would be like disingenuous anyway because this is post dominion war yeah. every right. person should right. know what a changeling, what a changeling is right yeah and so yeah i'm like, i agree so i'm really glad you're right that they didn't do that and and it, like i said it wouldn't be logical anyway because anyone would know at this point, changelings are quite infamous. You know, it's not, not right. a legend anymore like they were before. Like, we damn well know who they are. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess one of the questions is, since Worf made reference to him, is there going to be an Odo appearance? And if there is, how? Oh, God, please don't. No. I hope they don't just, do it. No, I don't think. No, there's no I don't no think way. so either. I really don't think so. Because yeah. that just doesn't seem right. No, I agree. No. I agree. That is probably the, the only Odo I don't want CGI Rene Obergeron. No, thank you. No, I don't. I think I, don't I think that was their nice, subtle nod to him, and that's all there is to right. it. We also don't need no everyone no to come it. back and make a cameo. So, right, don't put it in if it doesn't need it. Yeah, there's no reason for it. Right. We don't need him. So, so can we talk about the new special effects? Sure. Oh yes, yes, please do. What, so, what are your thoughts? <laughs> um. I mean, at first, that was just, it was very off putting at first. Um, but you stop and you think about it, and you're like, well, they had to upgrade them. They had to upgrade the effects of the changelings oozing around. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did they have to make it quite so fleshy? Yeah. yeah, it's very fleshy. <laughs> it's, yeah, because maybe that's they the were point. very shiny. To you out. Yeah. yeah. Before they were very shiny and like jello y, and now they have chunks. You know. <laughs> yeah. and like wispy almost cloudy yeah bits. they have weird meaty bits and yeah it's, it's like they're not quite liquid solid or gas they're all all of the above yeah and well, they're meaty which is yeah. gross it's gross 
Well, and that's one of the reasons why people wonder if they're like a hundred percent okay. You know what I mean? Like, are these changelings all right? Because we we do know that we from Deep Space Nine, we know that they got quite a blow dealt to them by that Section Thirty One virus that really that made them solid, you know, that forced them to be solids. So people kind of wonder, geez, are these guys like okay? Like, are they still somehow, you know? Yeah. Is that just the upgraded effect, or are they right, exactly? Or, and I mean, that's or, I mean, that's my guess is just the upgraded effect. I think so but... too. But you can see why people would go, "Geez, like, does that mean there's something wrong with them?" You know, that's one They're... thing that's kind of cool about the, this kind of specific thing that we're doing, bringing back this show now after so many years, is that you don't know if they've if they've made a change just because they're updating it, or they made a change because there's like some there's tip meme. off in there, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I tend to think it's just a visual upgrade. I do too. I think but, so too. But but I could still... see I could see why people yeah I could see why people would go there Absolutely. because it's pretty. Well, like... and it would it would help explain why they're pissed. You know what I mean? Like they're still somewhat infected or something, right? Yeah. Um. We should talk maybe about Riker and Picard and fathers and sons and all that. But before we do that. Since we're talking about effects, how do we feel about the de-aging that was done on Stewart and Frakes? Oh, that was, I mean, better than what they did in season one, but it's good they did it in a dim bar, you know? Yeah. I yeah. still, it, it didn't need to be there at all, though, quite frankly. So, we'll just put a I lot of makeup on them or whatever. Me. It didn't bother me on Picard. On Riker, it looked artificial. Yeah, it was fine, but like they didn't actually need to do it. So no. Anyway, it sets up a whole thing where we learn where Riker talks about the birth of his son mm-hmm. and the trauma of it because of his birth was complicated, and the, he talks about the time period it took him to get from the bridge to sick bay, which is seventeen seconds, which is the mm-hmm. title of the episode, and. That informs the character's crises. Both, both Christ, about to say Kirk, yeah. Riker, <laughs> both Riker and Picard informs their relationships yeah, between the two of them throughout the, these two episodes. It's like very interesting how and how they handle all of that. So, speaking of that, because that was obviously the thread, not subtly. Um, then, when you mentioned the Riker Picard relationship in particular, I would love to hear your guys' thoughts because I have thoughts on how that played out on the bridge. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I you can see why each character was behaving the way they were, about yeah, sort of pushing for their agenda of like how you should handle situation. Um, at a certain point, though. I don't know if this is what you're thinking of too, either Caleb, but at a certain point it also became like ridiculously unprofessional. Like yes. You, you, you're on the bridge. This is not really the place to do that. No. I mean, there's a ready room and stuff off there somewhere for a reason. You know what right. I mean? It's like, right. yeah. yeah, no, that is my feeling. Exactly. What did you feel yeah. about that, Brian? Yeah. I thought it was very unprofessional, including right at the very end when Riker turns to Picard and said, you've killed us all. On oh, the that's bridge. all. And he does that from just, from a rich just, just from a morale standpoint. You yeah, don't do awesome. that. Seriously. Never. <laughs> and they know better. They I was going to say, both of those better. guys are seasoned. They know. Yeah. They know not to do that. I yeah. was appalled. I thought, and I thought that line was, it was just too much. It was a little much. Yeah. 
And I, I'm also confused. I understand why Riker's acting the way he is, especially at getting to the end of episode four and seeing he had a little arc with these two episodes emotionally and dealing with the death of his son. I understand him more why he was acting what I would yeah. consider out of character. I yeah. thought though, I you know, you said you understand why both people were acting the way they were. I don't understand why Picard was acting the way he was. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure why he was like Why that was either. he so adamant about attacking? That seemed like a terrible idea. He, he didn't offer any reason to be just like, we must attack. Like, why, dude? Why? Yeah. Oh, because he felt he was other there were no other options. But there were. Leave. Like, absolutely at the beginning of this altercation between the two of them, I was totally on, like, for the story's sake, I wanted them to stay. But in reality, Riker was 100% right. Oh, yeah. Leave. He's he's right. You leave. Like, there's, yeah. They're the ones who screwed up and got them all into this mess. And now hundreds of people are going to die because Picard wants to fight. Like, I just didn't get it. I didn't get it yeah. at all. It felt like a vehicle for them to have this clash, but... Picard was just so, and again, have them having all these conversations in front of the crew was just like, yeah, it felt like that. Well, you know the whole movie Picard versus TV Picard thing. That felt like a very movie Picard thing to do. Mm. <laughs> yeah, know? there's been a certain amount of movie Picard in this. Yeah, mm-hmm. this, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which I think you kind of have to do for a modern show in some ways. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, fewer dune buggies. Thank goodness. Thank God. <laughs> I kind of like the dune buggy. I partly like it because it was just like Patrick Stewart was like, I'm not doing this movie unless I get to drive a oh, dune totally. buggy. And totally. they were like, okay. Yeah, that's totally what that was. Uh-huh. Um, so, all right. So we get to learn more about what happened with Riker and his son died and how he kind of closed himself off emotionally and ultimately drove... Deanna away mm-hmm. and that's why obviously he's with Picard that's why when Picard called he's like oh yeah I'll come yep so that whole arc yeah. Yeah. kind of plays itself out throughout the course of the episode mm-hmm. of the two episodes I should say and I thought that was handled really well and it, I, his struggles to come to terms with it like when he's trying to make record that message and he can't get through it I thought all of that kind of played out nicely as an arc what do you guys think oh i agree very much agree yeah and i've really um resonated with the story of him having lost his son and do we know exactly when it happened like it wasn't super recent no it was actually fairly recent um it was like a couple years before first season yeah they moved to nepenthe uh to try so, but at this and, point, then it's like five years ago, right? Like it's not like it happened a few months ago. It's, yeah, yeah, it's 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 years. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's something that resonates with me, um, you know, because I lost my brother, um, and so I've had to watch, you know, my parents lose their son, and it's a mm-hmm. it's a weird thing. I don't have children, but I have a perspective of what it's like for someone to lose a child, and it's like, you know, something that you can never even imagine as a possibility. Yeah. So seeing someone going through these kinds of struggles and like handling them. Um, and yeah, like, you know, he, he wasn't acting brash and crazy and running off to do crazy shit. He was just like, you know, I just need, I'm going to, I need to go find where, where my head's at right now. I'm going yeah. out to help his friend. And it's just very, it's very realistic. And I really resonate with yeah. what he's going through. Yeah. I totally bought into it. I don't know how I'm feeling yet about Picard though. And Jack. There's something off about it. 
Because he's some DNA mutant thing. That's part of it. The fact that he's he won't really reach out to Picard, and Picard keeps trying to reach out, and it doesn't. None, it's not. I mean, that's partly the whole point. Obviously, they're not connecting. But they did at the end of of episode four. They did. They started to. But like, yeah, they yeah, start bit, to. Yeah. They start to. Um, I loved the scene between them in the holodeck, the holodeck ten forward L.A. bar version, um, especially when Jack is being a little bit of a dick um, to Picard, and right. like at first you can tell it's because he's nervous and doesn't want to open up, but then he get he does the whole and this is classic, you know, kid guy being like you know i don't even you think like i need this like i don't need this i'm fine i'm like by myself all the time and i like it that way and picard's like well i need it like do you ever and in a a way he doesn't say it but it's kind of like bro did you ever stop and think about anyone but yourself that like i'm invested in this relationship too and i think it kind of slapped him across the face like oh shit yeah you are a person with feelings it's I thought fa- that was cool. I, I did like the flashback. The, I mean, that they keep going back to of him at the 10 forward bar on Earth when he's eating lunch and the cadets come. And oh, it's an expensive set. Okay. He relates with Jack. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they kind of, they, they are getting their money's worth out of that set. Yes, baby. they are. <laughs> probably, this probably isn't the last we've seen of it either. Um, it's, a, it's a cool set. So It is. It's fine. Yeah, I'll allow it. It is. Um, it's interesting, like that they put up a period on Picard being a career man in that scene. Mm-hmm. That Starfleet is my is my life because he, he that's basically he's kind of a bit of monk for as long as we've known him in many ways. Like he's had relationships here and there, but he's like a lot like Kirk in the sense that like Starfleet's my my jam, and like that's kind of just who I am and then to watch him finally pull himself out of that a little bit and realize he could have had something else. It's, it's, that's been interesting to watch. What do you guys think? Yeah, definitely. We kind of talked about this even before we started, but that whole thing with Jack sort of almost like lurking to hear his stories it's a little unfair, right, of Jack, because, of course, like, Picard, you know, in sort of his full-on, I'm a hero of Starfleet mode, was like, oh, no, my, you know, your crewmates are your family. That's like a line, right? It's a like line that... for the cadets. That's right. What it's, right. Like, so... it's like proposing to someone on the kiss cam in the ball at the ball game you know what i mean that's unfair yeah. to spring some that like something like <laughs> right. that on someone right and so yeah like obviously dude that's a line for the cadets right and so yeah like like chill out emo like, jack okay dude yeah so that's like you know and again okay whatever at this point jack was although it's weird because he's like clearly the same actor <laughs> at the same age yeah. but in theory he would have been like i don't know 18 or something maybe he was like lurking and finding right. you know so but him saying um, that Starfleet is his life is not which a line. Is, no, that part is, and of course that the part way is true. He said just it like was a said line. It. Yeah, the right. the line is just the phrasing and the whole. So, but, but you can see. I mean, I get it. And of course, like if you think about being kind of a pissed like teenager or whatever, you can see why he was like, "All right, well then, that's that. Why would I ever care? Right to get to know you because you've just told me what your life is. Your right. life is dead, Starfleet." So. Right. 
when that when you first see that flashback scene when Picard's trying to eat lunch and people keep bothering him, I was wondering if that scene was just going to end up being a commentary on you know Patrick Stewart trying to go to restaurants and having Star Trek fans <laughs> bother him while he's trying to eat. But it, it I... went another way. But initially, that's what I thought it was going to go where Patrick was going to kind of you know zing the fans a little bit for <laughs> bugging the hell out of him when he's trying to zing. eat. Yeah. I mean, in a way, it is exactly the same. They were such nerds. And it was like, it was really uncool of them to all crowd around him like that. Like, you don't do that to someone. No. They were I young. I was trying though. to eat. They were young. Old man Picard's telling stories again. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yep. Yeah. But it's fun. It was, it was like a, you know, it was like a nice little moment. And I, and I do like that, you know from Picard's recollection, it was this really nice moment. And then he starts to realize, oh yeah, but Jack was there. You know? Did he realize it was him? Yeah, you, yeah. at a certain point, he starts, you can start to see it on his face where he's like, wait. I, I was, oh yeah, there, he has, there's a recognition. There was a young man in the background there. Like, that was you. I don't like, know you if he recognizes him. him from that exact moment. Uh, it looks like he does. I mean, there's, there's an implication, look. but it doesn't. It also doesn't matter. The thing is that he's recognizing, like you're right, it doesn't matter. Person. You're right, it doesn't really matter. Well, other than he now understands how that appeared to Jack. You know what I mean? Like, I hope they don't. But how is that Picard's again. fault, though? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't not. think it is. I think Picard just realizes that he just like hurt his hurt this person like again, kind of. You right. know, now he understands like something else that sort of hurt. I'm not convinced that he actually remembers the exact events because it's clear that Jack was reliving those events in his mind. And it's a little weird that they would, that all of a sudden Picard would remember this dude who was in his vision in the background of a room for about two and a half seconds in a hoodie and put it all together. I, I feel like it was more of like that connection between the two of them was starting to crystallize and he was recognizing like, this person for who he is rather than necessarily like overtly remembering that exact. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, obviously it's just a reaction. Like it's a look on Stuart's face. Like we don't know, right? you know? So yeah, no, that's, that's fair. Like, okay. So either way it's him kind of understanding this, you know, this disappointment in this. Yeah. The moment the has the same resonance, whether or not he remembers that exact event yeah, or not. Yeah. And you're right. He probably doesn't, but you're right. It's, but it's the connection part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I did love how they all band together and kind of tech the tech mm-hmm. with the nacelles and riding the shockwave. Beverly figures out that there's like a discharge that's releasing all this energy that they can feed. And of course, into major the- kudos to Beverly too, who already was like starting to think about this way long ago. She, because I think even in. Three of uh, in the third episode, isn't she starting to notice that there's a pattern? Like you can watch her time it, and then I think so, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, and then she's obviously, you know, got it down in the fourth episode, and right. she's like, okay, because because you know, then she's like, okay, here it comes, and she's bracing herself for the wave, you know, and she knows she's like, all right, here it comes, like, right. so that's great because as we know, not well. Beverly herself, like in TNG, often got to do that stuff, but <laughs> the movies didn't serve her worth at all. So yeah. it's nice to see her get served. I, you properly. know, I'm on Team Bev, and I love when yeah. she does science and figures stuff out. Yeah, for herself, um, like suspicious, smart lady. Um, and one thing I really loved about, like, what I was really happy with when season 
episode, excuse me, episode four concluded was there's like this scientific mystery that happened. And now there's like space babies. And yep. I was yep. like, that's the thing and that it's... happens in my favorite show. It's called Star Trek. I know <laughs> yeah. that well, I was yeah. going to get, I was going to go there. Like, yeah, I love need, how this, they do this whole that. thing where they all apply their different talents and they make mm-hmm. this miracle and, happen. And they get out of life. Right. Mm-hmm. And they On their wits to... and good math and timing. Yeah. yeah. And then they get to witness something. And then they get to witness. Yeah. This. The birth. Of the birth of a alien. space brain life form thing that looked yeah. a lot like the far point jellyfish <laughs> baby yeah. versions of the far point jellyfish far point yeah mm. and he did mention far they mentioned yeah. far point so mm-hmm. you know they kind of look like and that but that was that was wonderful seeing that at the end i know some people right. are like oh that's so goofy i'm like really? no that's, that's not what goofy. star yeah. trek is. is have they watched the show that yeah, is very star who, trek who didn't like that <laughs> i think it's crazy yeah that's like um, no Okay. That is, if people think it's goofy, then they can go back and watch original, the original episodes and see for themselves. What that is like. very Star Trek. I loved it. And of course, loved, that was that was fantastic yeah. way to and end. And as it. as you had brought up with Riker, that also ties into sort of Riker coming full circle and coming out of his funk because they did this thing, they pulled themselves together. Yeah. They went through a horrible he remembers, thing. Yeah, and he remembers the sort of like wonder of the universe is why he likes. The yeah. Why he's right. You know, and yeah. that's lovely. That's so great. It really it rem- is. It reminded me, I, in my personal arc, that the wonder of the universe is why I like watching Star Trek. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was wonderful. So, mm-hmm. It was such a so, wonderful way to cap. That's the whole why thing. we're here. <laughs> that's why we're Scientific talking about Scientific mysteries. Yeah, were solved. Well, yeah. Yes. Imagine that. It. Yeah. New species were yeah. sought out. Yeah. So, who should we talk about next? What Shaw? I mean, we learned a lot about him, didn't we? Yeah, I feel like we're really starting to fill in the puzzle pieces of who who Shaw is and why he's kind of rough around yep. the edges there. Uh, I guess. Okay, I mean, he had a tra- tragedy happen yeah, to him. He, I've had a lot of trauma in my life, and I'm not the biggest asshole I've ever seen. Yeah, I like him. Don't get me wrong. I like that he's on an arc, but frankly... It's going to take a lot to redeem him. I hope they don't end this out with him being like some kind of Boy Scout at the end of the, se- the, of the season. No, he, he's a dipshit from Chicago. He's an asshole <laughs> who thinks way too highly of himself and who needs to go to therapy. Does he? Does yeah. he think too highly of himself? I get the I get the impression there's a lot of self-loathing going on there. I think yeah. there is under, under the surface, yeah. Well, maybe it's, you know, some people have large, like they act like they have large egos, but it's all because they lack self-confidence. Right. You know, maybe it's that kind of thing, but whatever. He think he he think he does think that he's like damaged and therefore owed more or something. He, like he that. does seem to at least especially at least like around Picard and that whole stuff. It's um, like okay, we're all damaged. Like, well, you don't you, have to, went didn't win the lottery on that one. And also, hi, there are there is therapy. Like I said, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a weird so survivors far, of Wolf Three Five Nine should have been in intensive therapy. Yeah, so say. far I have to say, <laughs> I'm not very impressed with Starfleet's mental health programs. Mm-mm. Yeah, Deanna, like, what the hell? Yeah, it's like like another person from Wolf Three Five Nine who can't, who's just is still dealing with clearly some pretty intense stuff. I thought it was interesting to watch Picard during that scene because, like, agreed. He he accepts that the anger he understands it and you almost get the impression that this is not and i'm not even just thinking of cisco you kind of get the impression that this is 
probably one of several times Picard's had to, had to deal with someone who survived Wolf 359 who has very complicated feelings about Picard. Oh, yeah. Who blames yeah. him. Right. And Picard kind of just knows it and like is not really surprised by anything that's coming out of Shaw's mouth. No, well, he and there's just, not, and he knows that there's nothing he, he can knows. say. Right, right. I mean, there's just there's just this look of like, well, I feel like crap. There's nothing I can say. You know, right. I. He knows. Yeah, he knows. Like, this is something he can't fix. There's right? nothing to be said. Right. Yeah. There's nothing to be said. Yeah. I thought it was really effective. I really enjoyed that. that Me part too. Of it. So this raises a question that I, you know, I don't know why. Why though of of this distrust of the board. Why is seven his second his first officer? Like, <laughs> wouldn't he have chosen? Yeah, he so wouldn't like our choice unless, like, you know, yeah. If you go by what Terry Metallis said on Twitter a few days ago, That's seven right. is he, kind he of a, ne- a nepo hire because well, and she I don't admits, like that either. No, but she but she says that she was kind of pushed into the whole thing by, yeah, by Picard Janeway, and Janeway. Picard. Yeah. So it's possible that that was enough to get her where she want, you know, put, position her essentially. I don't want to he- necessarily hear from the creators until after I've watched everything. No, I hear you. I hear you. So, yeah, we're just like, oh yeah, we can go by what Terry says. It's like we can, but I want to go by what I see on the screen. On the screen. Right, right. Yeah. No, of and, and I'm not saying he's wrong. He wrote it, right? But, like, I want to... I didn't get that full feeling of it. And that's fine if it's behind the page, you know? It doesn't... Everything doesn't have to be... Everyone's backstory that was flushed out for the episode doesn't have to be on the screen, so... Right. You know, you don't have to watch the after treks or whatever the, yeah, the, the yeah, current yeah. thing, the Will Wheaton show. Or, you know, go on social media. I mean, there's ways to avoid all these interpretations if you really want to. Let's talk about the changelings for a few minutes because we need to talk about Vatic. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, I have a lot to say. So just uh, before we get to Vatic herself, because she's got a lot. Uh, first off, I love that Shaw calls the changelings Clay-Doh because, of course, we can't say Play-Doh because that's yeah. a brand name. But come on, it's Play-Doh. I yeah. love that. It's Clay-Doh. Um, also, that apparently... People like changelings prefer that Cardassian bucket. Apparently, <laughs> that one. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, they all just like that. Apparently, yeah. I, I noticed there were a lot of people commenting about that. Yeah. <laughs> so they use the same bucket Odo did. That's fun, I guess. Similar. Yeah. Seems a little silly. They could pick anything. I mean, maybe or, he liked it because maybe that shape is actually. Pleasing. Yeah. yeah exactly and the rest of them were like hey this thing's great this feels great yeah <laughs> who knows maybe so maybe so that, that would maybe work maybe he <laughs> went off to start his own line of buckets true we don't know yeah that's right you, you can buy them at any uh your local quarks you know yeah, i was about to say maybe quark yeah hey <laughs> that's who started the line of buckets mm-hmm. i mean whenever he sees you know any kind of war conflict war or peace he sees a Merchandising, 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 yes. merchandising. Yes. Where the real money from the war is made. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, all right. Well, new headcanon Quark has merchandised Odo's bucket. I love it. <laughs> you heard it here. First. I like that. That's I, right. I, I, I think we should we should petition Terry Metallus and see if that we should can be get official. That made yeah. Uh, yeah, made official. That that's good stuff right there. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, but so. Uh, that's really it as far as the other changelings, but I think we should definitely talk about Vatic then. Yeah, 
Uh, so Vatic, we weren't entirely sure what if she was like a changeling. Well, now we are. Yeah. Because uh, she cut her hand off uh, and it's goo. <laughs> And it uh, turned into like a walkie-talkie. Yeah, yeah, and then it turned into like a crazy communication. Yeah, it's like a, a face, really freaky it's like face, a slimy FaceTime thing. Yeah, slimy oh. FaceTime. <laughs> yeah, gives oh, new Nelly. new meaning to the word FaceTime. Yeah, yeah, yowza. Yeah, so she's so. she's clearly working for somebody. Now we know for certain. Well, yeah. and she's clearly sub very subordinate to this person. Yes, whoever. Uh, this yeah, because this person is. is not having it. This and person's like, you can go kamikaze. Yeah, like, that, you like, can go to back get in these, now. Yeah, to get Jack. Yeah, yeah you out. and your ship are not. Yeah, really you're all expendable. Yeah. So bye, go. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so I, I got no idea about the they, the end credits. Just call it the face because that's all that is. Um, that's all we know of him so far, or, or it. But I don't have I have really no idea what the face is about. You know, like what's behind it, who right. that is, who that like, is. Yeah. You got me, man. <laughs> but is this a good time for me to interject my two? Yeah, I think I we noticed? should because this is changeling related. Yes. This yeah, this is very related. So the first thing I know, so I, I noticed both of these on a rewatch of episode episodes three and four. I'd watched three and four, went back into three and four again. Um, in episode three. Um, so there's the whole and there's a the whole thing with the the bomb and the mole, which we didn't even talk about, which is one oh, of my yeah. favorite parts uh, of the episode. But um, there's the mole and they find him and then he's going to place this bomb. Um, and when he puts the bomb on it, I noticed that the markings mm-hmm. on the bomb that were counting down reminded yeah. me a lot of the markings in that end credit sequence where you have the um, view, the panel with a picture of the Shrike. And right. then some alien language. And Brian, you and I were like, I don't know what that is. It looks kind of familiar. Um, so I looked up those images and I am pretty positive that is what is called Dominionese, which is the language mm-hmm. that the Vorta use. Yep. And it looks, if you go to Memory Alpha, there's some pictures that you might think, that doesn't look similar at all. But there's one particular symbol. And if you look up the Dominion logo, it's like a little L with a dog leg shaped yeah, thing and that is rotated in different ways in throughout mm-hmm. the example on memory alpha for the dominionese and that is rotated in different ways um both in the bomb um numbers as it's counting down and in that end credits uh panel yeah. so that and that was in episode three so that was the first indication like the vorta and that whole or the dominion at least is involved and that's like you know, yeah. with the changelings and everything. So that was cool. The second thing I'm really excited about because there's this little piece that I, from like memory beta that I never knew existed. So the scene where uh, Vatic cuts off her hand, she uses a very distinct looking knife. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, it looks really familiar. And I was thinking, is that from, is that reminding me of something related to Nemesis? But I also thought, no, 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 that's the knife from Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. That's Faith's knife. There's a character in that show who has this specific knife. Which you're, which you're correct. That's both true. They're, well, both things are it, true. It turns out both <laughs> things are true. But yeah. I convinced myself, oh, no, 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 I'm just recognizing it because it's from Buffy. And then my husband, who I'm sitting next to, goes, that looks like a knife from Nemesis. And I'm like, okay, that's what I was thinking, too. And I'm going to Google this now. Yeah. I look it up. Um, and yes, it turns out that that is exactly the knife that is used by Shinzon. So then I thought, okay, that's really interesting. Is it like, um, is this a, 
a Riemann thing? She's clearly not Riemann. What's going on? So I went and read more about the knife on Memory Alpha. It's called the Jackal Knife, um, named so by the guy who who created it. And there's a little piece of Memory Alpha that says um, in the on the page for the knife, in the short story, Twilight's Wrath from Tales of the Dominion War, Shinzon describes taking this knife from a dead Jem'Hadar soldier during his first engagement of the Dominion War. So it's a Dominion knife. Right. That's awesome. So cool. When you figure that out, I was like, holy crap. And I bet you these guys thought about that, too. I bet you Terry is. Oh, absolutely. And Dave Blass and everybody thought about that, too. So Definitely, because awesome. they wouldn't have picked yeah. a random Riemann knife that we had seen that was that iconic, that was right. that easy to identify. Right, right. Because we've seen other Riemann knives reused for Romulans, but not this one. So that's awesome. It's got. I love that. Awesome so, work, yeah, There you go. That was so fantastic. Cool when you figured that out. I mean, if it if it turns out to be true, then that means that that short story is now canon uh, in some way. At least the yeah. story that Shinzon said he took it from a Jem'Hadar soldier is canon. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome. Well done, Kay. Good. Keep that one in your hats for trivia. We'll probably throw in a question about that at the Star Trek Las Vegas trivia this year. <laughs> yeah. Where did Shinzon get his jackal knife? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, one last, I guess, little thing that I that I wanted to m- mention is back on. Uh, it sort of ties into the whole seven and being called by the name that she actually wants to be called by mm-hmm. is is the tell of the change. Yeah, that was great. Which mm-hmm. is great. And she's like, oh, yeah, because, of course, Sydney LaForge, quote unquote, Sydney LaForge shows up to help out. Um, and, of course, you know it's BS because she's explicitly said she's not even really an engineer. She's a pilot. And she doesn't have the same knack. We already learned that. She, and, then of course, she's like, oh, well, my dad is Drew LaForge. And you're like, that's bullshit. You're already, like, suspicious. And then, of course, Seven thinks thinks about it and says, okay, asks her to address her, basically. And she calls her Commander Hanson. And then, bam, that's it. <laughs> Goodbye, Changeling. My favorite part, though, was when Shaw says, you know, how did you know? And she says, because she called me, because she called me um, Commander Hanson. The real one always calls me Commander Seven. Seven. Out yeah. of respect. Out of respect. That's right. Booyah. And it was like, yeah. and he gets this little like, hmm, and then goes back to work. It's like, that's right. That's right. Yep. Respect. That is correct. That is her preferred name. So screw you, guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I love that. Because it was just a great little F you to him, you know, and his insistence on that. And, and of course, just a great tell. Oh, and can we be happy that they gave Jack something cool to do and figure out that was useful Instead of just like being rogue guy, yeah, like yes. he's also, the one who figured out the blood in the water thing, and then went yeah, to seven and he like went to seven, yeah, solving mysteries. I loved yeah, it, boy. That was great. Yep, me too. It's all great. It's all good stuff right there. Love it. So much stuff, guys. So much. I have a little thing that I want to call out that I don't think this was probably explicit. I, I hope it was. I doubt it was. But it was something that I don't think I'm the only one who, who thought this when they were watching this scene. The scene where they where Riker throws an asteroid yeah. at the other ship. And he's he's coming straight at the Shrike, right? And then he pulls out of the way and releases the tractor beam and also throws the asteroid. Also some nice payback for throwing the Helios. But yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but for me, when he was doing that moment, it just felt like a Galaxy Quest call out. 
because of the the scene um, yeah. where he, where <laughs> Tim Allen's character says, and what you fail to realize is that my ship is dragging mines. <laughs> and then he moves out of the way and the mines all fly into the enemy ship. Right. So I, I'm pretty sure that wasn't an explicit call out, but it felt exactly you the same You never know. Me. And there's also one of the best moments, the best like I mean, it's a great moments moment, right? of Galaxy Quest. Yeah. And what you fail to recognize is that my ship is dragging mines or mm-hmm. an asteroid, bitch. <laughs> that was that was yeah. cool though. Last night watching that, that was great. Did you just throw an asteroid? Yeah, exactly. You know how much power would require to to actually tractor and then hurl. An well, asteroid? they could. You could use some of its own. You could. Inertia, right? If you get out of the way, right, you don't need yeah. to hurl it which so is much. What they did. Let it go. Right. Yeah, they got out of the way. Right. Yeah, which, yeah. Uh, unlike, of course, the Shrike, which is the whole point is like the Shrike is really powerful because look, it just yanked this thing and redi- didn't redirect it. It actually yanked it and moved it. You know. And an so. important note that I'm sure is going to become important very soon is that the Shrike dumped its portal weapon. It does not have oh, the portal weapon yes. anymore. Right. You know, I missed that on first view and um, Tony pointed that out to me. He goes, hey, did you catch that? And I went, no. So yeah, I look, yes, that's right. Because the face orders her back in, right? And it's like, you're just, you're get your ass back in there. And so she's like, okay. And they have to dump the portal weapon, right? To be safe. I didn't for their get own it safety or whatever. Because they use the word disengage. Like she says, disengage the portal weapon. But then you see. There's a the, module, right? Like, right. You see the oh, Daystrom Institute yeah. logo on that thing. And yeah. I didn't put, I honestly, even though I noticed that the first viewing, I didn't put two and two together that they dumped the no. whole weapon. Yeah, they're, they're, they absolutely it's did. gone. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to become important soon, I'm sure. So that's interesting too. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you, right. It's like, oh, we know where to get one of those now. It's sitting out there in the nebula. Like, well, and it totally changes that and it totally changes the playing field between yes. the Titan and yeah. the Shrike. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, of course, the Shrike is arms to the teeth regardless, though. It's true. But still, I mean, it takes got, away a pretty big advantage. It yeah, does. it does. It does. Especially because the Shrike does not want to destroy the Titan. Right. right. True. Here's, um, here's, well, yeah. Here's another thing. Now that Worf and Rafi are going to the Daystrom Institute, mm-hmm. wasn't there some allusion to the fact that the quantum device isn't the main thing? That that's correct. Yeah, that is, that is, that's our next mystery, folks. Yeah. So what is what is what is really the target here? What is the deal? That is that is a big big question. That is because... one of the big questions. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think we have any clear sense of what that might be. No, no, not at all. I don't think there's been any clues. Nope. No. But Act 2 starts next week. Yeah, Mm. they're doing a really good job keeping exactly what they're after under wraps. You know, like nobody's leaked it. Nobody's talked, spilled the beans. And nothing's telegraphed, thank goodness. Yeah. In the season itself. So... Yeah, we're about to get into the back half of the season. That's yeah. kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the next part is okay. We're out of the nebula, and I'm so it's so exciting to like we're gonna move forward, and all the all the stuff's gonna come together. You know what I mean? All these the Rafi stuff, the Rafi and Worf, it's gonna co- finally you know because they're free of the nebula, it's gonna collide with the Titan stuff. It's gonna happen. It's gonna be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I hope they don't leave too much stuff hanging till the very end. I I I. I I don't like the trope of like you have, you know, different parts of your story that are far apart and you just wait to the last second to put them all together and make them into a big, it's like, no, you know, 
as you can see from this this season, they're not pulling that. They're not, not. like with garbage. Jack immediately being like, "It was a changeling. I saw a changeling." It was like, yes, "Thank you. Don't make good. us wait for so, you to so figure no. it out." It's it's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah, they got a lot of story to tell, so they're not going to they waste do. their time I, on certain things. I don't no, think. good. I'm still amazed at so non spoiler thing since I've seen all six as a, with press access. I am still amazed at how much I don't know from binging all six when we first got the <laughs> copies of them. There's still like it's it's truly amazing like that there's still more to know and you know anyway it's just awesome and also doing a great job don't forget I mean we've seen a little bit of Deanna here and there but we haven't really seen yeah. Deanna and we've not seen nope, Jordy at all no. that's right he's coming, so, he's coming oh, of course he is and I'm just yeah. saying this that, that's just to drive home a point that we really yeah got a lot more still, to go we haven't even yeah. seen some of our old friends yet like you guys were analyzing the end credits you know that. You know, we need still need to somehow go to the Starfleet Museum, right. which is where Jordy is. So, right. Yeah, we're not even there yet. Well, does anyone else remember the other foe that was shown to us in the trailer? Who? Oh, oh we Moriarty. Have, we have not seen Moriarty. Moriarty. Um, remember? Yeah. Yes. I, I I know, and so I'm not going to say anything. But it's it is what it is. I will just say that. Mm. That's a rather... I purposely did not watch ahead because I didn't want to. Yeah, I I binged them all really quick to like get a good sense of it because you know people were raving about it, right? You, I mean, all those people, you know, all the critical reviews were like, "This is amazing." So I was like, "Okay, I just need to see them all. I need to get a handle on it." I'm actually really enjoying not, but yeah. Oh, I know, I know, you haven't done that. So, so I'm but I'm also I did all that when we first got access to it, which was like a month ago now. So like I don't remember some of the details, and I'm really enjoying sitting down and just watching them weekly. Good, Good. it's been amazing. It's been fantastic to just watch them and enjoy watching them. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's good times right now, folks. Take it while you can. Yeah, we're thoroughly enjoying it. All right. Well, we will be back in a couple of weeks to talk about five and six. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm very happy to say. To yep. So we'll see you in a couple of weeks, folks. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Oh, freeze, freeze, freeze. Let's get rid of the uh, Andorian in this shot. Yep. Back his ass out. Get that blue guy out of there. Uh, all right. You guys leave it and we'll have a cue for a call. <laughs> Too much? Yeah, that was good. Oh, <laughs> fucking Andorians. I hate it. <laughs>